Welcome back, Big Easters, Big Eastettes, and all the realigning folk across the country to the Six Overtimes podcast. Check us out on the Twitters, at Six Overtimes, or even email us if anyone sends emails anymore, sixovertimes at gmail.com. Chaz Wagner here today in New York. My buddy Scott is not here with us. He's hiding from us. Uh, he's almost as elusive as my Pitt Panthers. Maybe Dane Miller or definitely Kyle Kirk during that uh, Kentucky game last weekend. Nowhere to be found. But no, Scott will uh, will be back with us shortly. Uh, so rather than have you listening to uh, a very non-stimulating monologue of uh, me talking about Tin Tin 3D, we've got a very special friend of the program on today. We've got Andrew Geiger. He is the uh, witty blogger from CasualHoya.com. It is the Georgetown Hoyas mainly basketball blog for uh, the SB Nation Network, and uh, bring him on to talk about the great start for the Hoyas and what's what's uh, coming up for the week. So welcome on, Andrew. Thank you. It's uh, good to be here. Thanks for the compliments. Uh, I don't know if I'm witty, but I'm, I'm certainly a, a blogger for Georgetown. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a good run so far, obviously. Um, you know, I think by all accounts, Georgetown was projected to be a – perhaps a bottom feeder this year in the Big East, and now we're ninth in the country. Yeah, they've played everything but casual. Um, <laughs> so what do you, what do you, what excites you the most about this team? Is it the, uh, the freshmen coming in, the, the Otto Porter and, and Hopkins and those guys, or is it Sims finally coming to life and playing like a, a real basketball player and Jason Clark leading that as well? I mean, what, uh, or just the collective unit is. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that, all of that contributes to what's been pretty exciting so far. I mean, for the first time in a while, they're they're actually playing like a team. Um, you know, it's interesting to note that none of these guys were McDonald's All-Americans, um, which was the first time, I believe, that JT3 has had that on his team since 2006, was, which was when Georgetown kind of reemerged on the national scene um, and made the Sweet 16 and lost to Florida. Um but, you know, as you mentioned, Otto Porter, he's been a, a huge addition. Um, you know, he's not flashy. He doesn't put up big numbers. But um, he's sort of the, the prototypical John Thompson, the third player, sort of in the mold of a, a Jeff Green, a guy who can do everything. Um, Henry Sims, obviously, the turnaround has been uh, something that Hoya fans have been waiting for out of him for a while. Uh, if he had produced at this level, the last couple of years, there's no telling. I, I can guarantee Georgetown probably wouldn't have lost in the first round for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, Henry's been someone that Hoyas fans have been rooting for uh, from the beginning. Uh, he's a fun guy, great personality, and now that his skill set has is, is finally come through, um, it's really brought the offense to an efficiency level that JT3 is used to. Yeah, and you talked about the the great start is, and you always talk about the delusional train and and uh, being cynics on on the casual Hoya blog. This great start we've seen before in uh, you know last year and even years prior. Is this going to continue, or is one of those this team is different? They they've got a different makeup. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, we've seen this sort of start before, and in fact, we have. The, the last five years, Georgetown started 10 and one in their out of conference schedule, um, which is kind of remarkable considering they usually play one of the the hardest non conference schedules in the country. Um, and then once they get into Big East play, uh, they've had success. Uh, certainly, I think last year they were 
they had riled off eight or nine wins in conference in a row and were destined for probably a higher seed than they got in the tournament before Chris Wright got hurt. Um, but when you once you get into Biggie's schedule and you get teams that are used to the system and used to the players and the coaches are used to the, the coaching staff, I mean, everything kind of slows down. And I think you, you saw great evidence of that in the game against Providence where um, you know, that, that's a game that Georgetown should probably win by 15 points. They did win by nine, but it was 49 to 40 in one of the ugliest games that, that you'll see. Yeah, it seems good teams. It seems like you guys have been able to win um, different varieties of games against Memphis. I don't know about in both games they were high scoring, but I know you know a hell of a lot better than me, but one of them was high scoring. Mm-hmm. And then against Alabama and most notably Providence on Saturday, you guys can win those ugly, rugged, very uh, prototypical Big East games. Yeah, and, you know, I, Georgetown will probably win 10, 11, maybe even 12 games in the conference, which if you asked me before the season how many they would have won, I would say it would have been closer to nine, um, closer to a 500 level. I just think that this team, the way Porter has added – I mean, he's a freshman, but he's playing like a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Whittington and Jabril, Tra- Jabril Trollick, who are also freshmen, they get big minutes. They play like sophomores or juniors. And when you add that to the core of Sims, uh, Clark, and Hollis Thompson, who you know may or may not uh, appear at the next level, I mean, they've got a, a pretty decent recipe for, for some success there. Yeah, how about Hollis Thompson being compared to Dirk Nowitzki? <laughs> I mean, sp- yeah. spitting images right there. Yeah, Doris Burke, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about Doris Burke because I, I actually think that she's almost like the female version of Jay Billis. I think, like, when she's on, she makes some really good points. But, uh, yeah, that one, I'm not really seeing. Yeah, they're, they're machine-like. They just, they're just on the point at all times, but she may have, she may have veered off a little bit on, the, on that comparison. Yeah, we'll, we'll give her a pass. Yeah. So tell us about the, what I really enjoy about your blog is the casual awards. And uh, explain explain that, and then the a little bit more behind the global phenomenon. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I'll hit on the global phenomenon aspect first, uh, okay. because that's more of an ego driver than anything. There we go. You know, when we, when we started off the, with the blog, it was we have a sort of an analytics uh, program that shows us where people are checking the blog from. So when we noticed at the beginning that we were getting hits from all over the the globe, um, you know, every continent, we sort of adopt, adopted this global phenomenon moniker, which is, you know, it's kind of a WWF kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not worldwide wildlife fund or whatever, but, you know, world wrestling entertainment. Um, but, uh, yeah, so global phenomenon is sort of a, a brand that we've associated with, with ourselves. Um, as far as the casual awards go, um, that has been sort of a, a thing that we like to think is our own in the sense that you can find Georgetown-related material all over the Internet. I mean, there are plenty of talk boards where people can opine away and criticize this or compliment that. Um, but a, a feature like the Casual Awards, which actually uh, appears the day after each game and will bring to light certain instances or plays in the game um, or then highlight certain uh, players and such uh, is something that you really can't find anywhere. So it gives fans who have watched the game or actually missed the game uh, an additional outlook into the game itself and maybe add some color to something that they that they hadn't seen. 
Is the voting board on that uh, one person, or is it the, uh, <laughs> your other writers at the blog? No, it's, uh, you know, before each game, we sort we start a thread mm. over email, and we, we add to it as the game progresses. Um, inevitably, you know, one of us, myself, uh, winds up uh, <laughs> shouldering more of the load. Um, but, uh, no, it, it's certainly a, a unified effort. Everyone contributes. Nice, nice to get uh, many voices in on the global phenomenon, I got to take one jab. Is it is it in Beijing? Does it does it touch Beijing? Uh, I see where you're going with this, um, and, and I, I do think we we have numerous fans in China. I think we've expanded our, our Chinese fan base remarkably after our uh, our little incident out there. Okay. Um, you know, um, <laughs> you know, it's people talk about the Chinese incident, and I'm not sure how you take it as someone who's not affiliated with the school, but mm-hmm. I think. Um, on the team level, it's really helped, and I think Georgetown's start this year um, has been really helped out by what happened over there because it, it's rare that the team will get a chance to unify like that um, in a preseason setting. Uh, you know, whenever you get involved in a fight, you sort of come together closer than you normally would have, um, especially on the court. You know, against some someone like Shamanad in the Maui Invitational. Mm-hmm. So you know. That really brought the team together, and I think that they're a group that's truly, you know, tight-knit, uh, both on and off the court. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with what transpired in China. Yeah, just from an outsider's perspective, like you're, you're touching on, I think it helped them, everyone mature a lot, a lot more, and probably most notably the freshmen, because they, they get there and they're like, we really have to focus um, yeah. after... After that took place, and it, the bonds were probably strengthened, and uh, you know, just really felt like a family after that. Yeah, and the, the trip gave JT3 the chance to play the freshman a lot of minutes uh, against uh, you know a reasonable uh, opponent. I mean, the, the teams that they played were legitimate teams over there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so they weren't scrimmages in the sense that they were playing, you know, uh, a summer league game. And they're actually playing in a you know an international environment, uh, you know, as well documented was a hostile crowd, uh, and it really got them prepared for the season. Yeah, and um, so what, stepping away from the actual play a little bit, and realignment talk has to be discussed with the, you're not uh, embroiled in it as much as some of the other teams, but where do you just kind of a prognostication? Where do you see? Georgetown in 20 or 25 years, or, or down the road, I don't, you don't have to put a year on it, but where do you think Georgetown fits in this whole conference alignment? You know, I think Georgetown in a few years will be a great representative of the Colonial Athletic Conference, the Colonial Athletic Association <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. No, I, I think the Big East will be fine. I, I think, you know, obviously with Syracuse, Pitt, and West Virginia leaving, that wasn't the quote-unquote casual thing for Georgetown, um, because it took a lot of their the rivalry, obviously that they've built up, um, will be tough to uh, reincarnate with schools like Houston and, and UCF. Um, but I think the Big East, even though it's tough to replace schools like Syracuse, um, they obviously have a plan. Houston, UCF, uh, Boise's in there too, right? I mean, it's just it's mm-hmm. just a you know, it's a it's a mess of schools. It's a hodgepodge. Um, yeah, but the, the, obviously football is the the breadwinner. So as long as they can keep those twelve football playing schools in there and keep that BCS bid, 
than the conference would at least survive. Um, from a basketball standpoint, which is what I care about and what mm-hmm. Georgetown cares about, um, I guess the, the quality of the conference is lessened, but I think the Big East will always have that Big East cachet, um, whether or not Syracuse, Pitt, and West Virginia are part of it. Yeah, hopefully they, they're around for a few more years, That the Big East, for our sake and for the fans' enjoyment that uh, they hold them to that contract just so we can keep that Pitt and Syracuse and, and West Virginia rivalries uh, alive for a little while longer. Well, you know, a lot of Georgetown fans are mixed about that. Um, you know, I would prefer Georgetown to continue to play Syracuse yeah, yeah. once a year uh, just for the, the fan bases, but a lot of people are angry that Syracuse just picked up and, you know, grabbed some cash and ditched the conference. Uh, some are saying, well, if, if they're thinking if they're going to leave, then screw them, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you made your bed and go lay in it with Duke and UNC. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, they might play, but it's not going to feel. There's not the significance and the Big East title on the line and playing in the Garden every year or wherever the hell the Big e- the uh, ACC tournament is held, whether it's the Garden or Greensboro, Greensboro, Greensboro yeah. Coliseum. Um, for the future of Georgetown basketball and for stability and for them to remain legitimate and serious contenders for tournament bids and even Final Fours. Got to talk about that that practice facility. What's uh, what's going on that front? No doubt. I mean, Georgetown for a nationally prestigious basketball program has one of the worst, if not the worst, facilities in the entire conference. Um, and that's something that John Thompson III has just come out and outright said. Uh, in order for Georgetown to keep up getting these recruits, especially. In the, if the if conference realignment results in a lot of these recruits looking to other conferences, um, it's going to be important for Georgetown to upgrade its facilities um, to keep up. Um, you know, and if Georgetown wants to continue being the program that it is, uh, the university is going to have to step up. Uh, to that end, they have embarked on a new campus facility plan, um, which they conveniently announced uh, on the day that. Um, Syracuse and Pitt and all that, all of them left the conference. Um, so irony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're planning to make that announcement on that day. Uh, I just think that they did that in order to sort of put a positive spin on things. Um, my understanding is that in the upcoming months, there's going to be a huge push uh, towards uh, getting various alumni to make donations. Um, perhaps accompanied by an announcement of a substantial one that may or may not have already been made. Um, but it's definitely clear that uh, the facilities do need to be upgraded. And I think everyone's on board. I mean, the university's behind it, uh, the fan base is behind it, so it's really just a matter of, of getting it together. Yeah. Will the, uh, will the casual Hoya be uh, one of the main donors? We have already been in discussions to have the uh, casual... Uh, practice facility um, <laughs> named in our honor, um, and we're hoping that uh, we can get the, the John Thompson court at the casual practice facility uh, dream uh, reality. I always like the courts at the, you know, they always, whether it be a sponsor or another name to get, it's always always about getting your uh, your name and some ink in there. <laughs> right, right. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's probably going to take a little bit more than what we see in, in blog revenue to get it done. Um, but you never know. You never it's, know. It's, it's, it's desperate times over there. 
Yeah, that's why we blog, and that's why they play the game. Exactly. Um, well, you got to love being in Andrews in New Orleans. you got to love ESPN3 these days, where it seems like not only every Big East game, but it seems like every Georgetown game is basically uh, is, is there for the for the watching entertainment. Yeah, that, that's, that's been nice. Um, in years past, I've had to rely on going to bars at ridiculous hours. And when, you, <laughs> when, you have a, when you have a noon Eastern tip, that's 11 a.m. here. Yeah. When bars are just opening, so I'm usually the one who's banging on the doors, like hoping they let me in so I can watch games on ridiculous channels that only Directv would get. Uh, so yeah, ESPN3 has certainly made uh, made a difference as far as that goes. But uh, we do have a nice uh, loyal following of of Hoyas down here. Uh, it's kind of nice to be able to you know pound your head and uh, after horrendous plays with a half dozen or so of your your closest friends. Yeah, and hopefully you guys can uh, final fours in your backyard. Maybe, maybe just maybe it, it could be uh, could be watching some games there. Um, yeah, I mean I certainly plan on watching some games whether Georgetown's playing in them. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, one step at a time. You know, you 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 referred to the delusion train, which is something that a lot of people mention uh, on Casual Hoya um, because. Uh, I'm not so I'm not as familiar with other fan bases, um, but I know Georgetown fan base has ridiculous mood swings. Um, you know, people are really passionate about about basketball, and once the team starts doing well, you know, it's sort of a New Orleans or bust kind of thing. Uh, and then if they're trailing Providence by two in the first half, it's you know, season's over. Um, so one step at a time. We've got you know Marquette Smart and I win that, move on to. Uh, uh, to West Virginia and go from there. Yeah, the del- the delusions of a sports <laughs> fan is what makes it so interesting. And I definitely know what you're talking about with uh, no McDonald's All-Americans. I'm a Pitt fan, and Jamie Dixon has, has been doing that ah. f- for years, and when he gets a couple McDonald's All-Americans, uh, shit shit hits the fan and the, the program's in shambles. <laughs> well, where, and speaking of that, what's the latest with, uh, with Birch? I mean, he left the program, right? He left, but from what I heard is they didn't officially release him. It's just he left. He's up in Montreal. I guess that's his hometown or somewhere in Canada around Montreal. And he is possibly considering coming back to Pitt, but he's got a host of schools that uh, New Mexico State, Missouri, Kansas, uh, a bunch of them. He's He's basically considering all these schools. But the big thing is I don't know if an official release came out of the the athletic department and that, that's what you get for scheduling wagner that's what happens <laughs> absolutely yep well you know dixon I, I, he's always been rumored to be sort of um he's always one of those coaches that is always brought up in the offseason as someone who might take another job in another conference you know whether it be the acc or sec or, or elsewhere big 12 but um i don't know it seems to me that with Syracuse and Pitt, with Bayheim and Dixon, maybe they, maybe either of them never coach a game in the uh, in the ACC. You could say that about Bayheim, but where with Pitt going to the ACC and that being a stable conference for the very foreseeable future, I don't know where he would. Pitt sign. He he's had offers to other schools, and Pitt has has been able to sign him and keep him and hold him. So once they're in the ACC, whether it's next year or a few years down the road, but, but what I, happens? What happens if Pitt 
doesn't make the tournament this year, which is it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's possible. And then you've got one other year in the Big East, right? Before yeah. you're let out of your contract. Right. Then you've got a, your first year in the ACC, coming off potentially two down years. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is, is Jamie Dixon the guy you, you'd even want at that point? Oh, you're saying does not only does does Dixon want to be with Pitt, but the other way around, you're saying does Pitt does Pitt want Jamie Dixon for their ACC future? If if if, oh, if, 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 if this year becomes a complete uh, disappointment, um, and then you've got another down year following this one, I, I don't know. Does Pitt have to reevaluate? It? I don't know. I would say absolutely not. Uh, I would mm-hmm. uh, because. One, you look across at the football field, and you mm-hmm. see the fiasco and the how embarrassing that is with Todd Graham and Mike Haywood and Wanstead leaving. They see all that instability there. At mm-hmm. least Jamie Dixon missing the tournament uh, one or even two years would suck and it would be miserable. But he's been he's the he's been the best thing for for Pitt and uh, and before Ben Halland we were we were atrocious. Yeah, it's always been interesting with with Pitt. I mean, they are always so good in the regular season, as you well know. And they're always, you know, the team that never gets there mm-hmm. in the tournament. And Georgetown has has begun to experience that sort of postseason failure the, yeah. the last couple of years. Is it three um, years you guys haven't won uh, a postseason game? Or two years? Uh, Technically, that's, that's correct, yes. Uh, we lost to uh, VCU last year when they made the Final Four, of course. So, you know, I guess it was worse at the time. Um, the year before that was Ohio, which was a, which was a disaster. Uh, and then the year before that, they were in the NIT and lost to, to Baylor. Uh, and that was on the heels of losing to Davidson in the Stephen Curry yep. um, outburst. Um, and of course, that followed the Final Four appearance. So, <laughs> Georgetown certainly had a renaissance under John Thompson III. He's not going anywhere. You know, there's a lot of parts of our fan base who clamor for for a change, who clamor for a change after he lost to VCU. But that's just ridiculous. Um, you know, our response to anyone who ever says uh, Jake T3 must go is, well, who would you rather have there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then. The Thompson legacy and what he's done for the program and the way he's coached this year. I mean, he's definitely in the short list for National Coach of the Year consideration if the season were to end today. Definitely. Um, so, JT3 is here to stay. Again, what you mentioned with the facilities, that's going to go a long way in determining how long he's going to be there. I think his contract's up at the end of 2013. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same camp as you in, in, for Jamie Dixon. Is, as long as he wants to be here, I'm all for him, and I think Pitt should be, be should uh, believe the same way. And even you read about Louisville and uh, Louisville fans with Rick Pitino. He lost to Moorhead State last year, and the year prior they struggled. I don't. It's the same thing. Is who are you going to bring in that's better? Right. I don't know. For yeah. Jamie Dixon, I don't know. Rick Pitino needs to tell us five or six years before he's going that he's not going to be around, which is ridiculous. Um, well, it's tougher for a school like Georgetown, though, than a school like Louisville, because Georgetown doesn't have what football. Louisville has. They don't have their own arena. They don't have football. They don't. They don't really have uh, the facility. Um, mm-hmm. So to, to coax a 
high-profile candidate to, to come to Georgetown is a little bit of a more difficult task, um, which is why John Thompson, with his father and the tradition there, uh, it, it, I would be surprised if he left Georgetown for anywhere. Yeah, I, I could you call, this is his dream job, right? I mean, he's had to be thinking <laughs> about think. this. Yeah, you would think. Um, yeah. I, I can't say that Jamie Dixon is is at his dream job, but I think he's he's pretty happy, and and it's it's been good, even though they've had NCA uh, disappointments. It's uh, it's 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 been good for. for but what but what is it, as, as as a Pitt fan, if Pitt doesn't make the tournament this year, and then you hear through the grapevine that Sean Miller uh, has an interest uh, in being the coach at Pitt, isn't that something that? Some people in the Pitt administration would at least have to consider. They would consider, but uh, yeah, especially since Sean Miller played point here back in the yeah. day. Um, I think he would have to struggle for several years. It definitely not one missed tournament out of uh, the last ten or eleven years. They've they've made. I don't know what the stretch is, but no, I think he would have to struggle for two, three, you know, at least three years for them to. Uh, really have a serious conversation with a Sean Miller or I can't even think of another really strong pit ties guy that um that would yeah. would be interesting. I mean Cal <laughs> Calipari coached here in the Paul Evans era, but uh I can't think of any pit assist uh if Kevin Willard was uh resurrects Seton Hall and takes him to great lengths, maybe Kevin Willard considers the job. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly once you guys leave for the ACC, you'll need someone who can get out there on the recruiting trail and and uh, you know land some big boys. Um, yeah, the thing with recruiting that I'd say the last several years that's been missing, there's been a void, is that New York City player. Correct. We haven't had, I mean, there was a stretch with LeVance Fields and Taft. Carl Krauser. Carl Krauser. <laughs> and they didn't do much after after college, but who really cares we ha- I haven't seen we're getting Jersey guys like Woodall and uh, who else is on the team from from Jersey? But yeah, we're not getting those like Bronx, Brooklyn, and uh, you know the really good programs in in the five boroughs. Isn't that who um, Antigua was always bringing those guys in though, right? Yeah, Antigua was getting them, and then one of the assistants that left to uh, left the program. So as you know, there's that one coach that. One of those assistants that has a really good tie to a region right. or a city or a big time program, and when when he's gone or when you don't have that anymore, it can really really hurt recruiting. Yeah, and I think that certainly happened with Georgetown as well, um, with Kevin Broadus, who uh, was an assistant during the Final Four run and then left to coach Binghamton. Oh, okay. Uh, and they they won the America East in his first year, uh, and then all their players got sent to prison. Um, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and he was let go. Uh, Georgetown rehired him in the off season. Um, he's a he sits kind of behind the bench, kind of like in that Gene Cady role at St. John's. So he's not technically an assistant coach, um, but he's on the staff uh, for a one year trial period. Uh, and like my hope is that you know I, I think he's done his time, and I think uh, after this sort of one year trial period, he'll get back on the staff permanently and be able to. Uh, tap into that recruiting base along with uh, and really get into the mix again with with Maryland and, and schools like that. 
because what happened at Binghamton, he can't full, you know, right away he can't be on the staff? Well, no, I mean, he sort of had a, you, you get the sort of coaching staff scarlet letter after something like that goes down. I mean, yeah. literally all of his starters were involved in some sort of mishap with the law, whether it be, you know, something with drugs or assault or, or, or whatever. So um, he was booted from Binghamton, um, was out of coaching for a couple of years, uh, and then John Thompson sort of decided to give him a second chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, during the game, that's what he's doing. I mean, he can coach. I believe he can contribute to the X's and O's, um, but he can't get on the, he's not on the recruiting trail this year. I okay. think that changes next year if they bring him aboard permanently. Maybe he's seeing uh, yeah, him and Gene Cady are, are uh, <laughs> masterminding something. Also worth noting, uh, when we talked about Henry Sims earlier, that um, you know it's been quite a change from the years past. Othella Harrington, uh, former George Henry, yeah. is, is an assistant now as well. Um, so uh, I have to think that he's been putting in some extra time with Sims yeah. uh, as far as getting his post moves up to snuff. And in general, his footwork has been much better as well. How about Jahidi White behind the the game at the uh, on the Louisville game? It's always nice to see Jahidi. <laughs> what what's he doing oh, now? I don't. Know. I heard through the grapevine that may, that he was involved with a, a sports bar in St. Louis, okay. uh, which is where he's from. Um, what he was doing in Louisville, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, he had a pretty decent career for someone who yeah really had poor hands and. <laughs> No jump, no jump shot. Uh, he's just a load, and uh, you know he managed to carve out a, a nice little career in the NBA. Yeah, he. Uh, I guess he he had a movie appearance as well. I was looking at his Wikipedia page. He had a movie appearance, and then he was even in uh, Nelly's uh, St. Louis song. So he's got. Uh, oh. He's very well rounded in the entertainment he's, entertainment industry. He's doing better than than you or I. <laughs> by far, <laughs> by far. <laughs> All right, Andrew, we'll uh, really appreciate it again. And for everyone, check out CasualHoya.com. Andrew and, and the gang, they put out some great stuff. And follow them as the uh, Hoyas hopefully continue this uh, delusional and very uh, very strong start to the year. Hey, uh, you and me both. Absolutely. Okay, have a good <laughs> night. Thanks, man. Take care. All right, see you, Andrew. All right, folkers, that wraps up another episode of the Six Overtimes podcast. Great talking with Andrew Geiger of thecasualhoya.com. Check them out on Twitter, at CasualHoya. For all the delusional, all the cynical, and all the casual fans out there, regardless of team affiliation, you will have an entertaining time reading that blog. Uh, Check us out, sixovertimes.us on the Twitters. At six overtimes, email us six overtimes at gmail.com. Send us stuff. What do you want to hear about? Who do you want us to interview? What stories do you want to hear? Who do you want us to poke fun of? Until next time, keep realigning, my friends. Thanks.